Congresswoman Annie Custer is a Democrat from New Hampshire who is leading a bipartisan task force on the heroin epidemic. He has gotten the headline in terms of making the emergency declaration, but the real test will be what comes next. We need extensive funding. I'm Lucy. I'm 16 and I live in the small town of Whitefield, New Hampshire. I dare you to find it on a map. You won't. For a teen, there's not much to do up here. Combined with the veil of the White Mountains, it can make one feel pretty isolated. It doesn't help that adults don't seem to understand us and our problems. Despite their desperate efforts to understand and reach youth with lessons, scolding, and posters, we often find ourselves blocking it out. No offense, but we typically just look over those posters and not care. Often the people aren't real, the stories are fabricated and stereotypical, and, well, they're heartless. I know they have good intentions, but how can adults really help us fix the problem without hearing our side and knowing what we go through? There's a whole nother world we don't get the chance to talk about. One that, despite their best efforts, adults don't know of. One that you won't find on the school-issued posters. In this podcast, we escape the isolation of the White Mountains and tell you what we really go through as youth in today's society. The following stories are true. Be warned. Some may be graphic. Some may be sad. But one thing that they all have in common is the fact that these stories of teen hardships aren't anything rare. I think I can speak for all of us when I say we crave change. But before we can change, we need a spark. You're listening to the second episode of The Spark, a North Country Charter Academy student project. Today I'm interviewing Taylor. She is a survivor of parental abuse, who had began to go down the same path as her mother before something turned her around. Amy was an alcoholic with a criminal record. On January 14, 2015, she left the world, but the pain she inflicted on her family remained. After her mother's death, Taylor went on a downward spiral. She found herself getting caught up with the wrong people and getting in trouble with the law. Like many victims of abuse, she has built an emotional wall to shut out the pain. You can hear the detachment in her voice. Oh, hey, are you Taylor? Yeah, who are you? I'm Lucy. I heard about your story, and I was wondering if I could interview you for my podcast. Taylor was born into a world of abuse and alcoholism. She was an innocent observer until 13 years of age, when she began her own descent into alcoholism, encouraged by her mother. I was pretty much raised around it, and didn't really think anything of it, because it was normal. My mom was a alcoholic and a drug user. Her mother was no stranger to the system. With her lengthy criminal record, she was recognized as someone in need. While she was in need, so were her children. I lived with her for maybe 
four or five months and I decided to finally step up and tell the school what she was doing to me and my brother and that same day my aunt came and picked us up and drove us back home to my father and that was the last time I ever saw my mom again. My parents ended up splitting up because of it. My mom started pushing everyone away including my brother and I. I ended up getting into it when I was around 13 or 14 years old because that's what everybody in high school was doing and I wanted to be like everybody else. My mom did encourage it. She, Yes, she did. She even offered to buy for us if we needed anything and she would buy drugs for us but I myself never got involved in drugs because my dad pretty much put the fear of life into me with it. Kind of getting mixed up with the wrong people and started partying more. It's really all I wanted to do. Nothing else really mattered. And then my mom died around the time I was 17 and my best friend died around the same time. And it hit me really hard and I ended up swerving and out of control and ended up dropping out of school. I just went crazy after that. I didn't know what to do. So I went straight to drinking. <laughs> I drink every day and like every hour of the day. There was not a time where I was not drinking and it was crazy because there wasn't a moment where I um, didn't want to be drunk because when I was drunk I felt good. I felt like I could deal with anything and when I wasn't drunk I couldn't deal with anything at all. Normal living. I just couldn't do it. Shut out by her father, who refused to enable her bad behavior anymore. She was all alone. So he pretty much kicked me out and set me on my own. And that was it. Mm -hmm. I kind of didn't talk to him until after some stuff happened and I ended up getting in some really big trouble and I didn't know what to do, so I went back to him and asked for help. You don't have to be a victim to the past. For youth, it can feel impossible to overcome the obstacles that come with a bad environment and upbringing. They may feel outcasted, scared, or be unsure of how to take control back. When I finally realized that it was a problem, like drinking every day, it probably lasted three or four months. I always promised myself since I was a kid that I was never gonna be like my mom. And I finally started to realize that I was turning into my mother. The prosecutor at the courthouse actually talked to me. He knew my mom, he dealt with my mom a couple of different occasions and 
he said that I'm going down the same road. I was going to the same jail if I kept messing up. I was going to be in the same spot and situation as she was. And that pretty much made me snap out of it. I realized I didn't want to be like her and I wanted to change for the better. So I stopped drinking. I stopped hanging out with the people I was hanging out with and I got my life together. I went back to school and graduated. I mended things with my family and some old friends and I ended up doing really good for myself. I've been sober since then and there's been a couple close times but I've held my head up high and still doing good. Four years, just about. It's two months shy of four years. Taylor is living proof that while the saying, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree is often true, it doesn't have to be. You can change the course of your life as long as you want to change. Even the most desperate cases can change for the better. Did it on my own. I wanted to be dependent on myself. I wanted to know that I could do it on my own. And all I could think about was being there for my dog. <laughs> uh, my dog is kind of like my support system and I just think about like if something had happened from being drunk and I didn't come home, it would just be like devastating. No matter who you are or where you are, there is help. If you are an individual who needs help locally, you can call 603-444-1300 between 9am and 5pm and speak to someone who is in recovery and has been where you are. The New Hampshire Crisis Line is 603-844-4357 and the National Hotline is 888-487-4889. Your call is confidential. In an emergency, please call 911. Don't hesitate. There are people who want to help waiting for your call. If you are a family member, friend, or know someone who needs help or information, you can also use these numbers. Again, the local numbers are 603-444-1300 to speak to someone who is in recovery. The New Hampshire Crisis Line is 603-844-4357. The National Hotline is 888 487 4889 There is still hope. You have to have hope to make it through. Even when you're to the deepest point, there's always still hope. You just have to have faith in yourself and keep pushing. <laughs>